Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Feeding Frenzy. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. This one is actually a quite a bit different feeding frenzy than normal. Typically, I don't try to connect the dots or pull ideas together unless that's just how it plays out or just my unique way of pulling things together. But in the last week, I spent way more time diving into the events and experiences around 9-11. And as we all know, because of the recent 20th anniversary of 9-11, it was just part of the environment it felt like to be drawn to explore this in a deeper way. And for some context here, I was only eight years old when the event occurred. So meaning I really was too young to understand how the events came to be what they were. And being that I grew up during all of this, I didn't really get a like a 10,000 foot view of events. I was mostly leaning off of what my friends or family or teachers would say about different things on how you should interpret events. And so I really took the last week to dive into all of the events to basically ask how this all happened. And and by how, I mean specifically what were the events that led up to 9-11 and then what did the reactions trigger over the last 20 years. And so with that, we're going to jump in to today's Feeding Frenzy around reflecting and remembering 9-11. So we're going to jump into Worth Listening, and I'm sharing three podcasts this week, and each one I'm going to talk about is in the order in which I listen to them. So the first podcast is Betting on Long Shots. This podcast is Common Sense with Dan Carlin. Dan Carlin is also the host of Hardcore History. Hardcore History is, as I, the title tells you, more about the actual past history, whereas Common Sense is more of Dan's interpretation and feelings around more current events. This one is much more sporadic, and he's currently not doing this regularly because of the current climate we're in when it comes to how intense and how hard it is to create any sort of viewpoint that's going to get polarized by one side or the other. And even in his own podcast, the episode I shared, he does cite that he's probably going to piss off both sides by stating his viewpoints. And the reason I'm sharing this one is because I think Dan is a very honest person and he's also very well read. And he also finds sources and provides information that come from them. And the one part about this that I find very interesting is that he is mostly talking about us pulling out of Afghanistan, but he talks about the Soviet Union getting involved in Afghanistan in the early 80s. I found it very interesting because I had been aware that we were involved in Afghanistan by providing weapons to the Mujahideen back then, but I didn't know the context of why that had occurred. And listening to this account, it sounded like to me from the CIA at the time that it was like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. On top of that as well was to give Soviet Union their own Vietnam. And right, if you just think about it in this context of the Cold War and the looming threat that the Soviet Union posed to the U.S. in that time period, 
it makes sense for the decisions that those agencies were designed around to provide. I'm not saying it's right or anything like that. I'm just trying to provide context to these situations. And the other part of this too is the nickname that Afghanistan holds in the history books and they call it the graveyard of empires. And Dan has words to say about that. And I have to agree with him. You know, if you find out from a tactical standpoint that this area has this name for whatever reason, for thousands of years, I wouldn't want to be like, how hubristic do you have to be to think that, well, we're the ones who are going to be different. (laughs) So with that, we're going to move on to the podcast that I consider my cornerstone for this adventure into all of the events here because I really wasn't expecting to go this deep and yet here I am recounting it for everyone because I think there's there's just a lot here, right? It's been 20 years since 9-11, but the history goes as far back as the 80s. So really 40 years of history here. The second podcast is Lawrence Wright, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and reflections on how they happened and lessons learned and not learned. And this was on Peter Tia's podcast. So some background on Lawrence. Lawrence Wright is the author of The Looming Tower, Al-Qaeda and the Road to 9-11, which won the 2011 Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction and was named one of Time's top 100 books of all time. In this episode, Peter and Lawrence discuss the book and the lasting impact of that day. In addition, Lawrence reflects on his personal experiences and the, on that day and how he was first drawn into reporting on the attacks. And this one was, it's so wide ranging. They do spend a lot of time talking about how did the Islamic ideologies change and shift throughout the late 20th century and into the early 21st century. And that was one of the things that I wasn't expecting is to spend so much time talking about Egypt and how the rulers there were secular authoritarians. And that caused the people there to have a reaction in in the opposite direction. So if your rulers and leaders are one specific ideology over here in camp, so if those people are not meeting your needs, then all of a sudden that leaves room for the opposite to form. And that is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting facts of this story. And Peter himself shares some of this really interesting story because his parents are both Egyptian immigrants. And he shares some of what he knows about the turmoil in Egypt that from his parents and just the change in leadership throughout his parents' lifetime, which is fascinating to hear because as someone who's born in the United States, we're not as plugged into the goings-on of the world. And so I really just took this as a world history lesson for myself. And then as they push further into the story, getting closer to actual 9-11, they talk about how at the time the CIA and the FBI weren't as good at communicating with one another. There's two reasons for this. One is if you're not aware, the CIA is for foreign information gathering and operations, whereas the FBI is for only internal on U.S. soil. But 
In this situation, if they're tracking a terrorist group or people who are sus suspected of terrorist activity and they cross into the United States borders, you would think that they would have a communications channel in which to pass information from one group to another. In, from what Lawrence reports, it seemed like that didn't happen. And how, for whatever reason that didn't happen, it, there seems to be also a human element, in meaning that the different CIA and the FBI counterpart that would have been talking to each other actually did not like each other at all. And so it, it shows, again, a human error in the system as something as quirk of history as you not liking your counterpart in a different department or trying to one-up yourself to get a promotion causes things to derail. But in general, this podcast served as my baseline as the 30,000-foot view to kind of map out a timeline of events and understand just kind of broadly, like, what is the history here from, like, an investigative journalistic uh, viewpoint? Beyond that, hearing a little bit about the history of Osama bin Laden, like, how did he become this monumental figure that he did? And it's just really interesting to, to understand the how and the why from that, from like, what would his viewpoint be or from people who understand him that in the mainstream news you do not get. The third and final podcast is with Niels Jorgensen on the Lex Friedman podcast. And I didn't actually expect to listen to this one. But it, I just listened to it on a whim, and I was not disappointed. And I think this podcast really pulls the story back down into a narrower vision of the average person just doing what they can when it's asked of them. Niels is a 21-year firefighter for New York City. He was there on the day, and he wasn't actually... In the towers, but he was basically at ground zero as they collapsed. And he was there in the cleanup and helping people get out and basically mobilize around that area. And he's one of those people that when you listen to his stories and why he became a firefighter and why he does what he does about standing up for people who can't or, or running into danger when other people are running away is... I don't, it makes me like honestly emotional when I was listening to his conversation multiple times just because of how intense um, it's just like to have that meaning of like, yeah, I'm going to go run into danger and like risk my life. And I think so many people can relate to that in the wake of 9-11, even with my own generation, with friends of mine who as soon as we got out of high school, they decided to join the military in some form. I think this one kind of reflects just the America I hope for because as Lex says toward the end of the conversation is don't forget September 12th, the day after. And what they meant by that is the, is the coming together, the standing united and all that because I think in today's world there it feels so fragmented today that it makes it seem like that's not even a possibility anymore but 
to me, it's like, if it happened once we can do it again and we're all in it together and it's not about looking good or, or whatever it is or, or any of these normal issues that you deal with in your day to day. I think it's showing up because that's what's called of you. That's what life is calling for you to show up for. And if we can remember that, I think we end up having a better world overall. And it's, and I'm not saying like you have to do it in spite of, I think in fact, what we should do is in spite of all of the hate that came of this event, I think it's more beneficial in understanding how do we heal from the event, not get, you know, take back our own. Moving on to worth reading. So there's one bonus article on here that was, I found during the research, just kind of trying to pull back some curtains and threads, was a article on Neil's cancer, which I forgot to elaborate on. So part of what happens with Neil's story is not only just he have this very, not only did he have this very hope-based story in the actions at Ground Zero, it also was the long-term ramifications of the story because even after the dust exposure from the collapsing of the towers, he developed leukemia. The good news is that he did survive that and now he speaks out as a cancer advocate for people who have similar diagnoses. And so, again, I think it's this leaning into adversity and doing what you can to provide for others around you when they may not know how to cope. And so if you want to check out more about his story and specifically after 9-11, check this one out. The last article is on the smaller scope of the day after 9-11, burning buildings, bodies, and bomb scares from the Washington Post. The reason I wanted to share this one is to have more context around the event and the day after to take the temperature of the event to get people's opinions. What was it like in the immediate aftermath? That kind of gets lost when you take all of these long or or 10,000 foot views of the historical, like how did the, the key players do things and whatnot, right? It's just normal. The resolution goes away. But I think if we can take the macro and the micro and together and we can make this, you know, kaleidoscope of events that we can zoom in and out of, I think it adds so much to it. And I think it can create even more meaning when moving forward. Moving on to worth watching. And this is the docuseries Turning Point 9-11 in the War on Terror from Netflix. I have shared the links for both the actual Netflix link, and the trailer that you can go watch. And here's the quick brief on the series. Modern history can be divided into two time frames, before 9-11 and after 9-11. This five-part docuseries from director Brian Knappenberger is a cohesive chronicle of the September 11th, 2001 attacks on the U.S. offering illuminating perspectives and personal stories of how the catastrophic events of that day changed the nation's course. From the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 to the country's breathtaking collapse back into the hands of the Taliban 
just weeks before the 20th anniversary of the attacks, history continues to be made. I wanted to have more sources besides what Lawrence Wright's views on the podcast were. And I could have gone to the Lumane Tower to continue this exploration. But because this is brand new and it came out within a few days of the podcast, initially I, I was just interested to see what others would have to say. And they interview people from all different parts of this story, from government officials to people in Afghanistan to even first responders and, and broadly getting how the mood changed at different points in the history of the last 20 years. And so from what I seems like is most of it kind of matches up. And then they also add more context of how these ideas get changed. And the thing I think that I took away from this docuseries more was that his, not his, that they showed how it went from finding the people who perpetrated the attack to using the term the war on terror. Using that term basically is too broad. It doesn't have a, a definition about what does that mean, right? Because every verse or every person or whoever is in the one making those orders can create who is the one they fear most, right? And in that way, you lose sight of what you mean. Or rather, you can find a boogeyman that matches the description that you're looking for. And so I found that to be really interesting. But in all, if there's anything you should take away from this, is that if you'd rather watch a high-level version of this than listen to it on a podcast, here's another source. And worth pondering, I'm still going to share a quote this week, and it kind of wraps up into the closing that I have for this feeding frenzy. And quote, you don't develop courage by being happy in your relationships every day. You develop it by surviving difficult times and challenging adversity. Epicurus. And the reason I share this is that through all of what I was just recounting for everyone is not to send a particular message, but it's this adversity that we've faced for the last 20 years as a society, as a culture, and as individuals. And that history is our greatest teacher. That if we really want to make better decisions in the future, we need to know where we came from to understand which decisions backfired, which decisions may have worked. And maybe, maybe that's why I'm drawn to it because my generation grew up with this and now we're going to be the ones who need to be ready for what comes next as the history continues to unfold. Nothing is static, and as much as it would be fun to just be able to look back and pontificate, I guess, we, we can't do that. But what we can do is we can look back and take it as a lesson and move on and hope that we can make a better decision tomorrow. Not be as it, so quick to pass a judgment because it's one thing to say it was a horrible event. 9-11 changed a lot for everybody. And there's a lot of loss attached to it. But 
there's still much to be gained in the last 20 years as a result from all this. In one of the episodes, they talk about how because the towers fell, they have now redone emergency codes for fires and for if a plane does hit a building and put that into effect. Or now with soldiers who came back from Iraq and Afghanistan, we're now getting revolutionary new medicine to treat PTSD. There's so many things that we have to realize that history is not colored in good or bad. It's good and bad mixed together into this soup and you trying to untangle it one way or the other is nearly impossible. But all we can do is be as informed as we possibly can to be ready to make the next difficult decision.